Welcome to Nature Centered, a podcast from Wild Birds Unlimited about feeding the birds and enjoying nature right in your own backyard. Here are your hosts, naturalist John Schaust and Brian Cunningham. Hi everyone, I'm John Schaust. And I am Brian Cunningham. And welcome to this bonus episode of our Nature Center podcast that we're calling The Joy of Bird Feeding. We are truly honored and excited to have a very special guest today, Jim Carpenter, the founder, president, and CEO of Wild Birds Unlimited. Hard to believe that Jim opened the very first Wild Birds Unlimited store almost 40 years ago. And now there are over 350 stores across the U.S. and Canada. Needless to say, Jim has a big story and lots to share with everyone. So this episode may be just a tad bit longer than our typical format. Yeah, there's so much that we can talk about with Jim. And also, he is an author of a very comprehensive book that we're going to talk a little bit about. You might want to pick that up. We'll we'll learn some more there. Plus, today we have a kids activity, and it's going to be all about how to feed the birds up close and personal. I don't know about you, Brian. I can't wait to get started. better straighten up and fly right for this episode, huh, dude? Indeed. Indeed, we better. The boss man's here. You you mean the big bird? The the top of the pecking order? (laughs) Sorry. That's that's too many puns in one morning, I think, so we we need to move on. There you go. (laughs) But we are terribly excited to have Jim Carpenter here at Wild Birds Unlimited. What a success story. What a tremendous 350 stores, over 350. For those of you who may not be familiar with, with uh, Wild Birds Unlimited, it's a franchise system. Uh, every store is independently owned and operated. And uh, it really, truly, our mission is to bring people and nature together and uh, through the hobby of backyard bird feeding. So today, we have the guy who started it all, Jim Carpenter, 40 years ago. Jim has served on many other national venues and boards, if you will, for helping uh, birds and conservation of birds. He's been on the Cornell Board, Cornell Laboratory of Ornithology Board. He's been on the Nature Conservancy of Indiana's board. He has served on the Roger Tory Peterson board and many others over the years. And really through his efforts, Wild Birds Unlimited honestly has been a major supporter of a lot of organizations like the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, Birds Canada, National Wildlife Federation, National Audubon Society, and even the National Wildlife Refuge System. So without ado, we have Jim Carpenter, the world's leading expert on the hobby of backyard bird feeding. Hi guys, I'm very happy to be here. I, I don't know about uh, the the big bird, but I, I have been <laughs> I have been called a, a, a seedy character. There it is. Yeah, not by me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jim, welcome to the podcast. Uh, so we're so welcome. glad to have you here, and so much to share. I think Brian's gonna have a few questions for you to get things started. Oh, indeed. You know, I think we're just going to start right off. Backyard bird feeding. Okay, so how in the world did you (laughs) even decide? What were you thinking? (laughs) Let's try to make a living at selling bird food. I mean, When it didn't work out for me to to go to med school, in fact, IU med school is pretty wise and said no to that. (laughs) What what else was left? Uh (laughs) Sell bird seed for a living. You know, that was the natural uh, direction that I that I could see myself going. Uh, but you know, actually I did, I, get, I ended up getting a master's degree in horticulture 
uh, plant physiology. I, I ran a garden center for a couple of years. And it was really a garden center then where I combined, uh, I was a teaching assistant at Purdue University when I was getting my master's. And so I just combined being a teaching assistant with then running the garden center. And I would teach people how to uh, grow things in their yard. And so uh, part of what we were selling was bird feeding equipment, but it was like, it was like all the wrong stuff or, <laughs> not, or not enough of the right stuff. And I thought, well, you know, uh, actually I quit that job after a couple of years because I just really didn't want to sell Christmas trees again. There you go. Uh, Indiana freezing rain out there, you know, shaking every tree for everybody. And I didn't, I was trying to think, what am I going to do now? And so I, I decided I would do mail order bird feeding because that was really the main way things were done uh, of any quality. There were a couple of companies out there doing it still. And then I found this little place for rent in, uh, in Indianapolis uh, in the Broad Ripple section. And that was back then, uh, new startups could afford space in Broad Ripple, probably can't now, but uh, <laughs> 40 years ago, you could find a space for pretty good rent. And so I thought I had just enough money to pay rent for a year. That's how long a lease I signed. And, uh, and, and that's how I got started. Man. Just enough money to pay rent for a year. <laughs> if nobody showed up, <laughs> how about money for how about money money for food and, uh, nope, <laughs> and gas? No, nope, there was no money, no money for food or gas. A little bit of buy a little bird seed, rent the place, and that was it. Uh, you get a little hungry eating the sunflower and eating the peanuts, right? <laughs> well, there was that was an option, frankly. <laughs> So when did you realize you get this started, you, you've got a storefront now, you're going to give it a year. At what point did you realize, man, I really might actually make a go of this? It was actually, um, in a way, I was so intense on getting this little store started. And I really thought everything through of what I needed to stock and how I would do it. And I really felt that it was going to start doing well. When, when word of mouth advertising really kicked in. And I would go uh, to a garden club and talk to mostly ladies in those garden clubs. And then they would tell another garden club, hey, there's this, this young man who's talking about birds and you guys might enjoy hearing him talk. And so word of mouth advertising got going really well. And all of a sudden people would just start coming in. And the other funny thing that happened is uh, people would come in and actually some of the men that would come in would almost come in they look around and kind of whisper is this really just for birds <laughs> and, uh, because in 1981 it wasn't as cool to be a bird watcher you know it was, it was still people thought bird watchers were a little crazy and yeah. so they saw that I wasn't well I, yeah, I mean I guess they thought I wasn't crazy <laughs> And we could just talk birds and have a good time. And so they started, you know, a lot of them were photographers and they bring in the bird photos they were, they were taking and we could just talk birds and they would become repeat customers. They'd tell their friends. And so it really became, uh, you know, kind of a community thing where people were actually realized, hey, this in this store, this is a hobby. This is a real hobby the people realize 
is something I can share and talk about and learn, have a community. So that, yeah. that was a really fun thing. So Jim, it's so funny because back in that same time period that you opened your store, I was working in Southern Indiana down at Evansville at a nature center called Westman Park Nature Center. And I was, my wife and I are both from Indianapolis. So we come home to Indianapolis on a pretty regular basis to visit family and friends. And uh, I heard about your store. And I went into your store. I don't know if I've ever shared this this with you before, but I actually went into your store. I don't know exactly, probably 82, maybe 83 even, uh, and, and walked around. And I remember when my wife and I left, I looked at her and I said, you know, we could do this. You know that, don't you? We could do the same thing. <laughs> well, I had no idea you were going to franchise these things at that point in time. When, when did that all come about? Well, you know, it was a couple years later, but in the meantime, you know, the postman and the UPS delivery man, they kind of get to know each other. And so many places had come in and, 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 you know, failed in this spot I was in. They actually had a bet how long I would last. <laughs> they, they did. And neither one of them collected, thank goodness. <laughs> so that was kind of the first two years. But I, I had an acquaintance up in Michigan. I was he was a naturalist, and I was, he was selling bird feeders on the side to help supplement his income. And uh, talking to him, we decided uh, that you know just, I was only open about a year, year and a half, and uh, we decided let's franchise this. And we went in, uh, started Wild Birds Unlimited Inc. Uh, as a franchise, and I already had a couple stores that were getting started up in uh, Michigan. And uh, so, you know, we were just a slow grow. We for about four or five stores a year. And then um, I bought him out in 1989. So we were partners for about six years. But he had a big, thriving wholesale business at that point that he was selling to our stores and others. And then my wife, Nancy, came in. We got married in 1983, but she'd been involved earlier, too. And she helped grow the company as well, doing all the things I wasn't very good at, like being organized, <laughs> <laughs> actually answering phone calls if someone wanted to buy a franchise, things like that. Uh, she go. was a, and she was a teacher, so she was very good at uh, creating the training classes. So you're all about that passion, vision, and taking care of the customers, that customer experience, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, yeah, I was always, uh, really, for me, it was, I, I wanted a, a peer group myself of, of other people running a bird feeding store because there were no peer groups. So, in a way, <laughs> uh, to me, I was just creating my own peer group. You were just wanting to be validated that you weren't crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> that is right. Yes, that is true. Well, what what was the spark, Jim, in the sense of obviously bird feeding touched you at some point, uh, you know, in the in the birding community. We often talk about a spark bird, you know, that one bird that somebody sees and they go, wow, that's really cool. I want to see other birds. And, and they become slowly but surely into the hobby of, of uh, birding and bird watching. What, what was it about bird feeding? Where, where did that passion come from? Do you have a favorite bird that was your spark bird that got you into all this or what was it? When I was a senior at Indiana University, there was a student Audubon group and I joined them and started going out bird watching because that was, a, I, I had never really bird watched in that way. My grandma got me interested when I was a young kid and she had a great bird feeding situation 
but you know, you turn a teenager and you, I kind of forgot about all that stuff. And then, but, uh, but the student Audubon at IU is an incredible group. Senior year, my spring senior year, I was out bird watching by myself and I was in this woods and there was this light coming in, hit this one branch, and on that branch lands a scarlet tanager. Oh man. In oh, the wow. sun, you know, in the middle of this forest. And it was like, <laughs> that's the spark bird. Okay. And uh, then I got into the, you know, feeding the birds. Uh, actually in the blizzard of 78, yep. uh, I was stuck at home put on cross-country skis, a backpack, and I went and bought bread, milk, and bird seed. And, uh, and I fed the birds in the blizzard. So I was, I was into it uh, at a very you know, young age, I guess, or after post-college. And uh, that's really when I, you know, I was building my own bird feeders because I couldn't afford to buy any. And uh, so uh, that's, that was really, uh, I, was, I was into it. I was, I was hooked by that time. That's fantastic. You know, everyone talks about you've got that spark bird, but then that natural question that everyone is always asking, what is your favorite bird? Uh, the chickadee. Overall, <laughs> the chickadee, all chickadees are my favorite bird. And I, they just make me happy every time I see them. I don't know if they're happy. They act happy. Yeah. Uh, they yeah. can handle any kind of weather. And it could be a blizzard and they come in uh, doing their chickadee D and I just love it. Good bird. Good bird. A, yes. Excellent bird there. They always seem to be bouncing around and always chattering. So I agree. They always do seem like they're happy, don't they? Although this summer, uh, I did kind of start, uh, because I was home, you know, in the pandemic so much more than I ever had been all the baby downies, uh, really I'd say became my favorite bird this summer. The, they have their little gray cap, and it's very easy to tell which is a, is a, a fledgling uh, uh, downy woodpecker. And there were so many of them coming yeah. in, sometimes 10 at a time, you know, over, over uh, all the different feeders I had out there. And they were very easy to train to, to feed out of uh, a feeder I was holding in my hand. And so for a short while, they were my favorite bird. Very cool. Yeah, it was a great year. I, I too, had huge numbers of downies. Uh, fledging this year in my backyard. Well, Jim, you've you've made a mark, you know, with the Wild Birds Unlimited system. That's huge uh, with your activities and different organizations for the conservation of birds and nature in general. Uh, but you know, one of the one of the more important things too, as you recently uh, published a book, and it's kind of the it's kind of the definitive work on the hobby of backyard bird feeding. And having been around you as you were doing this book and knowing the intensity that you put into to writing this book and the research uh, and the background that you went through in regards to all the previous writers and what's been out there already uh, to craft your book and your message in that book, uh, pretty amazing accomplishment. What, what would you like to share about your book? Well, I will share that you too were major assets to me as I bounced all my ideas off of you too as I was creating the book and writing the book. And you helped me on some major areas such as the, uh, the detailed bird uh, ID pages. And uh, so I, I first I got to thank you guys for all the help you did on it. It was uh, fun. It was fun. It was a blast to do. Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, really. 
And as I, I started out writing this book, I'd say about 2001, actually I took, I was gonna do a sabbatical from being a CEO and write this book. <laughs> CEO job kept calling me back, but and I didn't get it done. But I got a lot of, 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 of kind of the outline of what I wanted to do. But by the time I ended up writing it, which is about 2015, 16, um, I had really advanced very far in my thoughts about bird feeding than I would have uh, 20 years ago and a lot of that had to do with some very simple principles that I thought were missing and a lot of the books that I'd, I'd seen there were some good ones out there uh, but there were a lot of kind of like parts and pieces here's the feeder here's the food here's you know the poles and here's the birds but they really weren't putting it all together as a holistic hobby it was like parts and pieces and then good luck and what I wanted to do is kind of have, have a little more mental pathway uh, to becoming really good at the hobby of bird feeding. I wanted to create uh, more of a hobby type of dialogue within the book. So I really started out the book saying, here's the five steps to bird feeding mastery. And in fact, you can become a master at feeding the birds. And so uh, that was a fun thing to do, uh, start out that way. Fantastic. Um, and you know what, as we've talked over and over again, you know, with the pandemic and so many of us being um, at home, working from home and, and having the opportunity to watch our feeders so much more than we've, we've done in the past. So many of those tips and tricks and that those five steps that you've talked about in your book have really come to fruition in so many people's backyards to up that game to to really experience so many different birds and so many new birds coming to their feeders that they may never have had. Uh, so really an important book in regards to teaching people how to do things like that and get the most bang for their buck out of their backyard bird feeding. So um, um, I don't think we've actually said the name of the book. It's The Joy of Bird Feeding. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a little, <laughs> just a little thing like that. So now that we know the title of the book, so, so Jim, why did you call it The Joy of Bird Feeding? I guess I'd say I feed the birds because it brings me joy. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. <laughs> and seems you know, seems obvious, but it it really does. And and it's it's not like I even sit there and just watch the birds for hours on end. I you know it's more like seconds or minutes, and it could be while you're just walking past the window, you look out and you see what's going on. It could be while you're doing the dishes and looking out. It could be while you're watching TV, but out that window, the birds are doing their thing. And so there's just the, the, this interactivity with this beautiful thing of the birds. And then I'd say to take it a little further, uh, I, I would say uh, it's joy and awe. Awe as in, wow, how mm -hmm. do these birds yeah. survive what I wouldn't want to survive, whether right. it's, you know, especially the, the blizzards of winter, uh, there could be all the other things from drought to heavy rain to sleet to migration. You know, migration. <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, my gosh, there's so many cool things going on. And when you see a hummingbird show up, yes, it's beautiful. I love just seeing the bird itself uh, coming to the flowers and then the feeders. And but then I think about well the the backstory of of when that first male sh uh, hummingbird shows up in the spring, 
it, in Indiana, it came all the way from the Yucatan. It flew over the Gulf of Mexico. Can you imagine that? And yeah, then, amazing. And then a lot of times it seems it's this very same bird because they're looking at the empty spot that my feeder was in a year ago. And that is kind of a hint. It's the same bird. How did they do that? That's the, the joy and the awe. A-W-E, awe. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Being home and watching my feeders, and as I've been watching my feeders, I've actually been keeping in mind that those five steps and then there are 12 elements as well. And keeping those in mind is actually for as long as I've been feeding the birds. And John, we, you and I talk about that a lot. We've been feeding the birds since, you know, back right after the earth cooled <laughs> and all the dinosaurs d then disappeared. Uh, <laughs> but to keep those things in mind has really enhanced my backyard bird watching and bringing the birds in and the diversity and everything. So, Jim, um, could you give us a quick little bird's eye tour, if you will, of the book? Yeah, I think the thing I really want people to start out learning is about the foods. And a lot of people kind of, I guess, not a kind of a mistake. You buy a feeder and then you fill it with food. But the birds don't eat the feeders. They eat the food. The feeders <laughs> just are there to hold the food in wherever you're going to hang it. But And a lot of people actually don't put out the food that the birds in their backyard are, are feeding because uh, the, the basic wild bird blend you, you buy in many places, uh, sometimes 50 to 80% of that is foods birds don't actually eat. So they, it looks like they are because they knock it all out on the ground and they eat the sunflowers and maybe some millets that, that, are, that are good. But so if you learn the foods, and it's really pretty simple, you know, the, the foods that they're going to eat, there's only so many that they like, sunflowers, safflower, uh, white millet, uh, and uh, peanuts. And, you know, there's, for the basic blends there, you're starting to run out of things you can put in there that they're gonna eat. And so if they have a lot of uh, milo, a lot of wheat, uh, oats, things like that, the birds aren't gonna eat it. So that's really the place to start, feed the right food. Then the feeder is chosen to offer the food and to position it out perhaps the window or outside off a deck or wherever then you can easily watch the birds. And so that's really it. You can start with one feeder and one kind of food or a blend and, uh, and, and, and then go from there. But it can just be very simple and be very satisfactory with one feeder and a good blend. I love having that, just that one main blend in my yard, but then I start to put out other individual kinds of foods that are a little different. Well, <laughs> one of, yeah, Brian, and one of the things I started, um, using a, a word and I maybe made it up as the uh, foundational uh, food that you offer. And the foundational food is in a feeder uh, that we could call the foundational feeder. And it's going to last at least four or five days so that you don't have to put out food every single day. And this foundational food is going to feed probably 80, 90% of the birds that come in. And so that's your foundational blend. I would call it a blend would be your best bet on that. Then you go into, like you say, the other things. We call them snacks uh, or uh, specialty foods or things like that that may be a little narrower focus on the target bird or you know, if it's on a tray, it's not going to last very long uh, and so forth. So yeah, that start out simple foundational food and a foundational feeder, and then experiment from there.
Yeah, that foundational feeder concept is one I talk about a lot, Jim, because I really think it's an important thing for people to think about. And I think it's really important for the birds, too, in the sense that it is the one feeder that they can always depend on having food. And it, it will be on their feeding route all the time because they know it's a reliable source of food. And, and that keeps the birds coming to your yard no matter what else is going on. And I think that's a really important and that can be sometimes it's it's a feeder that that holds a lot of food but it can also be a, a cylinder a seed cylinder which is a you know, kind of like a seed cake shaped as a cylinder it could be mm -hmm. a seed cake but those really last a long time as well so it, it can be either one so jim i know this book uh, there's a lot that's in it and you can go from your basics to forever i mean just really advanced kind of things, lots and lots of different kinds of food. So obviously this is a great book for adults, um, really diving into all of this. But I understand, you know, you did a book tour, book signing tour, um, not too long after that first publishing. And surprised, you know, it was very surprising to me, the number of kids that would meet you at the stores with their book in hand, The Joy of Bird Feeding, and they wanted you to sign it, and they wanted a picture with you. So can you give us a, a story or two, some highlight with one of those interactions? Those were, those, they were all highlights whenever uh, kids came in with uh, their, their parents or, or grandparents. And, and uh, so and sometimes they had the books, you know, highly tabbed, little markers sticking out of them all over the place. There was, there was one young man that, that really had me impressed. I was in uh, a Williamsburg, Virginia, Wild Birds Unlimited store, and they, all, they had me on one side of the store and ice cream on the other side. <laughs> How do you compete with that? <laughs> exactly. And so the, 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 the little boy and his mom come in, and they kind of looked around and they came straight for me. And I just kind of kiddingly <laughs> said, well, what, you mean me instead of the ice cream? And the moms goes, oh yeah, <laughs> you, you over the ice cream. And he had my book. And so I just, you know, asked a general question. Oh, do you like to feed the birds? And he goes, yeah. And, you know, I, I say, what's your favorite bird? And he starts naming like five or six birds. And this was literally a, a I think he was five years old. He, he wasn't very old. Oh, goodness. And then I said, well, you know, look at my book cover. What, what's the bird that's on the feeder? And he goes, oh, that's a white-breasted nuthatch. I go, well, what's this other bird? And this is in Virginia, this other bird on the cover. He goes, oh, that's a mountain chickadee. <laughs> I go, are you kidding Nice. <laughs> and he's never seen a mountain chickadee. He's seen chickadees, but... He, he looked it up and he knew that it was a mountain chickadee uh, and so that was very impressive and so we we exchanged photos and communicated a little bit and that was a lot of fun yeah it must be very cool like touch and there and this this was just one story of I was so amazed at how many times this happened to you when you were out visiting our stores and, and on your book tour it, it had to touch you in so many ways to have these kids coming in it was, it was very touching and yeah. and uh, to to think that people are getting started at a young age paying attention to what's in their backyard the nature and the birds and that's really a start of any kind of knowledge uh, uh nature knowledge is to really uh pay attention to what's in your own backyard yep yep well jim i don't want to we're going to run long on uh, time today but i just want to make sure people understand this your book is available in in our stores uh throughout the u.s and canada uh, it not only covers the foods and the feeders that we've already talked about, but 
but it talks about solutions for you know squirrels and, and raccoons in your backyard. Talks about proper storage of uh, bird food. Talks about proper hygiene, how to clean those feeders and keep them clean and healthy for the birds. And then you have a whole lot of different things in regards to just fun that you can have with this hobby in regards to photography and optics and uh, and other types of things. So I think anybody's going to find uh, things in this book that are really interesting and, and informative for them. So would encourage folks to hit one of our stores and get Jim's book, The Joy of Bird Feeding. And, so. and if I may, for, for a takeaway, um, the, one of the fun things is uh, to how to hand feed the birds in one day. Absolutely. And, and I've oh, tested definitely. this every year. I go back, okay, did I, did I really mean this? And I follow my own uh, guide on how to do it, and it can be done. It's usually a chickadee or a titmouse or a nuthatch. Uh, and so uh, it can be done if you have those species coming in. And I'm going to leave you with one more piece of advice. You can, how would you like to get three or four times the birds per, per bird food dollar than you are right now? Like you look out the window and there's, you know, 10 birds instead of three birds. How would you like to do that? It's so easy and it doesn't cost a thing. It's perches. There you go. Go out, cut some branches, cut some little trees, put them near your feeder, anything you can do. Put them on the feeder pole, uh, purchase, 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 and you will see three to four times as many birds out your window for the same bird feeding dollar. So there you have it. It's the secret sauce right there, the magic bullet, right? <laughs> That's it. Well, Jim, I, I like to wrap up because, you know, we have a lot of fun with this. We have a lot of fun working together. We have a lot of fun, you know, with the hobby and, and our passion and excitement for the hobby. And that's kind of uh, emphasized these days in our efforts to our, uh, save the songbirds. You know, there's a lot of issues going on with, with bird populations and some disturbing studies that have come out in the last year, year and a half that show the population is down by something near 30% of adult bird breeding birds. In your own words, why, why is this so important and why is this something that, that is becoming a, a daily focus for our Wild Birds Unlimited system? Well, talk about a, a million points of light, if you, if you will, for this kind of movement, because when we have millions of people taking care of habitat in their own backyard, uh, planting native plants, uh, uh, keeping your cats inside, uh, and uh, and then providing uh, places for the birds, uh, habitats, housing, food, water, all those different things you can do uh, can all be done. And it really makes a big difference when everybody does it in their own backyard, in their communities, at where they work, uh, uh, go to church, school, all those kinds of places. It can make a big difference in uh, helping save the songbirds. And so we we really want to do our best as Wild Birds Unlimited to encourage and also to inform of uh, here's what you can do to help the songbirds in your own backyard. And so uh, we're very excited to be able to do that. And I just also, I want to say to you two, congratulations on your <laughs> podcast. You, I, I enjoy listening to every one of them. I'm learning every time I listen. So congrats and, and thank you guys for all you're doing. Well, thank you, Jen. And needless to say, we're, yes. we're having a little fun doing it along the way too. So it's we've <laughs> yes, enjoyed the you. heck out of it. Yeah. It's it's yeah. been a blast to do. 
you know, one of the, uh, the, my favorite parts is as we get closer to the end of the podcast is what's that kids activity that you can do with the kids or the grandkids. And uh, because kids, we've talked a little bit about them today. You've mentioned um, some great stories. Uh, you also alluded to hand feeding the birds within one day. And what better way getting kids really interested? I mean, to have a bird land on your hand and feed out of it, you will never forget that kind of experience. And talk about someone who then will have a passion of at minimum paying attention to the birds. So can you help us out with that? Give us a quick little Here's how you could do that in one day. A couple of quick tips. I know it's in the book. <laughs> buy the, buy the book. <laughs> you could buy the book and off you go. <laughs> that's it. Done. <laughs> First, you uh, I do something that comes quite naturally for me. You, you, uh, you, you act like a dummy. Or actually, you put out a dummy. <laughs> and you put out a dummy that is, has like glove and, you know, just a stuffed sweatshirt hoodie. And uh, I even used to print out my face and put it, you know, print out on <laughs> so they got used to me. And then the birds, you know, you start out uh, with food in the glove and then you start removing all the feeders so that finally the only place is on the glove. And then once they're landing on the glove and the food, then you take the glove off and then they're on the hand. And uh, it, it, it actually happens fairly quickly. And, uh, you know, so it's not that hard to do. And so, uh, you know, some of the species are more likely to do it than others. Chickadees, nuthatches, uh, tip mice. Uh, if you have uh, red-breasted nuthatches, they'll, they'll almost do it immediately. They, mm -hmm. they hardly uh, need any encouraging. So, And this is a great year for red-breasted nuthatches all over the place. Yeah, so it, it is a fun activity. And you can actually then very quickly, everybody just changes into what I, I, I have a second set of clothing, like, you know, just remove the dummy and I become the dummy and, and then people can change in the clothing. Everybody, I, one day I had everybody uh, for Thanksgiving, everybody in the family within about uh, an hour had a bird landing on their hand. And so nice. that, was a, that was a fun Thanksgiving activity. That is nice. fantastic. They'll never forget. You'll make a mark for the rest of their lives having that bird land in their head. Well, Jim, anything else? You, we're getting ready to wrap up. Anything else you'd like to, to share with anybody? I think you've covered it. All right. Well, fantastic. And thank you for being on our show today. It's been a blast. Uh, thanks for sharing your passion for this hobby and, and for birds and all the insights into backyard bird feeding. So truly hope everybody had as much fun uh, as we did. Yeah, it's been a great time, Jim. I really appreciate you being here. And I know for everyone, if you're interested in visiting Wild Birds Unlimited store or checking out the Joy of Bird Feeding book, then just go check out our show notes for all the links. But Jim, thanks. And everyone, thanks for being here today. Thank you. And on behalf of all of us here at Wild Birds Unlimited, as we always say, we truly, truly thank you for joining us for this bonus episode of the Nature Centered Podcast. Join us again when, as always, We'll let nature be our guide. Take care. Be safe. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nature Centered. To subscribe to this podcast, for show notes, or to connect with the Wild Birds Unlimited store nearest you, visit wbu.com slash podcast. Until we meet again, take some time to relax, enjoy the birds, get out in your backyard, and stay nature-centered.